Before you start this episode, a quick advisory. Today's episode does cover sexual assault, abuse, suicide, and self-harm. This may be a lot for some listeners, and that is completely okay, and you are always welcome to come back next episode. Listener discretion is advised. On April 22nd, 2020, a soldier for the U.S. military on a base formerly known as Fort Hood in Texas, now known today as Fort Cavazos, had been working on the specific day in a different troop than their own. This being because although this soldier was a part of a different troop, they were the only one qualified in their squadron to be the repairer for small equipment. This equipment would be things such as night vision goggles or the optics used on rifles. Now, this soldier was completing tasks under the eye of an executive officer and his armorer. And being that this was during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic, all troops had been under strict orders to carry out their tasks for the day and then remain in their barracks unless told otherwise. This was the case for everyone, including the said soldier. So, this soldier finished their tasks at hand and followed the orders given. Although, the following day, the officer of this soldier called the executive officer they worked with that day before notifying them that their soldier was needed but oddly unable to be accounted for. By day's end, a search had begun, and on April 22, 2020, would sadly be the last time anyone would see the soldier alive, because a few months later, on June 30, 2020, contractors working on a fence near Leon River would discover human remains later confirmed to be that of U.S. military soldier, 20-year-old Vanessa Guillen. I'm your host, Kendall Hudson, and welcome to another episode of When the Light Goes Out. When we are young, we are at our most vulnerable to what we may want to be in the future. We see our parents, aunts, uncles, grandparents, or just older figures all work towards their goals and what really inspires us. When I was a kid, I always knew I wanted to be a storyteller of some sort, and here I am today. Many of us have dreams and aspirations, and I say, never stop working towards those dreams and make those dreams reality. That's exactly what one brave young girl did, and she never took no for an answer. This beautiful, bright, and intelligent young woman was Vanessa Guillen. Vanessa, at the age of 10 years old, told her mother, Gloria, Mom, when I grow up, I'll join the army or become an astronaut. A little weary of those choices at hand, her mother thought, "Mm, maybe it's a phase. Fast forward eight years later, Vanessa knew she was going to be an astronaut or serving in the military. 
Being a Hispanic woman out of high school had posed some concerning thoughts on her mother's mind if Vanessa really wanted to serve in the military, so getting a master's in a STEM field wasn't really sounding so bad. But little did her mom know, Vanessa already had made her decision by graduation, and that was to serve her country. Vanessa was born September 30th, 1999, at the Ben Top Hospital in Houston, Texas, to parents Gloria and Rogelio Guillen, being one of five siblings. According to the Guillen family, Vanessa attended Hartman Middle School, and in 2018, she graduated from Cesar E. Chavez High School, being top of her class. From all accounts, she loved to learn. She was very close to her family, enjoyed sports, specifically playing soccer, and on her downtime, often exercised and went on long jogs. So you could definitely say Vanessa was a badass, to say the least. After graduating from Cesar E. Chavez in 2018, Guillen wasted no time enrolling in boot camp. She would attend boot camp at Fort Jackson, located in South Carolina, in June of 2018. And despite the strict schedules, long days, and tough training, quite honestly, Guillen was proud of herself and really proud of her hard work and dedication. She always wrote letters back home describing the physical labor and the workload, but generally loved it. Not long after boot camp, Guillen graduated and was stationed in Fort Hood, which is in Texas, which was for the better for the sake of her family. She wasn't as far away, so it would be easier to keep Vanessa in contact, or at least in proximity of her home, and every weekend she had the opportunity to spend time with her sisters and to see her boyfriend Juan Cruz. Before I had mentioned that Guillen was the only one qualified to repair small equipment in her squadron, the proper term for this role is firearms repairer or a weapons mechanic, and to say she was the best of the best was an understatement. So let's get to the day of April 22nd of 2020. This was a Wednesday, and Vanessa was initially supposed to have the day off, and although the Army had been on strict protocol about who was and wasn't on base due to the coronavirus outbreak, Vanessa received a message to come in. According to a statement from former executive officer Alex Cook, Guillen had been called in to certify that some of his troops' equipment was not fixable so that Cook could send the equipment in for replacement. This task was considered an essential task and a priority, given reason for calling in Vanessa on her day off. Well, hours past the time that Vanessa should have ended her work on base, her sister Myra finds that Vanessa was not answering her phone. I personally have a tendency of leaving my phone on Do Not Disturb, but this was not like Vanessa. Again, by all accounts, she was always able to be reached. To their surprise, this had also been the case for her boyfriend Juan, who at the time was on his lunch break. After texting her several times, he realized that the iMessage texts were not going through and weren't being delivered. After patiently waiting for any response and letting Vanessa's mother Gloria know, they knew something was wrong. So Vanessa's older sister Myra immediately calls the staff sergeant informing him frantically that, you know, 
My sister has been contacted by me, her boyfriend, which at this point was actually her fiance, and even two of her friends that she worked on base with. And she was actually supposed to go hiking with one of them later that day. And the only thing that the sergeant had to say was, quote, oh, no one has seen her since lunchtime. We don't know anything about where her whereabouts are. When asked if there were even cameras to check, he simply just replied, no. The amount of care and effort given by her base and this investigation as a whole is so insufferable. Reading through how this case was handled made me want to pull out what little hair I have on my own head. Two of Vanessa's friends, both of which being Fort Hood soldiers, Tay Hightower and CJ Londi, would scout the base looking for Vanessa only to find her keys, which are her car keys, her driver's license, and a wallet that were left behind in the armory room on base. Three personal items she would not be known to leave behind. Myra, Vanessa's sister, and Vanessa's boyfriend, slash fiancé Juan, drove hours up to the base with no luck and waited it out to the next day at the nearby hotel and returned to the base. No one was helpful, no one was quick to look for Vanessa, and no one claimed to have seen her the day prior working in the armory room around lunch. Before we go any further, let's rewind to just a couple months before Vanessa Gian's disappearance. Well, like I said before, Vanessa loved being part of a boot camp at Fort Jackson in South Carolina. She was very optimistic about being stationed in Killeen, Texas, which is where Fort Hood would be, because although she would be a couple hours away from her fiancé and family, she was still within driving distance and she could still enjoy her time at Fort Hood. Although, months into her time at Fort Hood, Vanessa's family would start to see a big difference in her mental and physical health. She would go nights unable to rest, she noticeably start to lose weight, and Vanessa made it clear that she was not happy at Fort Hood. It was evident to her loved ones that Vanessa was not happy by all accounts, although it wasn't until months before her disappearance that Vanessa would inform her mother that she had been sexually harassed on base by a superior. To really understand what was going on at Fort Hood, we should probably touch on its incredibly rough history and why it's deemed the black sheep of the US military bases. In November of 2009, an attack was carried out by a psychiatrist on the base at Fort Hood by a man by the name of Major Nidal Malik Hassan. He fired his semi-automatic pistol into a crowd at the processing center on base, murdering 13 people with more than 30 others injured. In July of 2011, Private Nasser Jason Opto was arrested just a day after a gun store clerk notified officers of Opto's suspicious purchase. Opto would later admit that he planned to attack Fort Hood. Three years later, in April of 2014, U.S. Army Specialist Ivan Lopez would go on to shoot and murder three soldiers and wounding 12 others. When confronted by military officer later, on that day, Lopez would take his own life shooting himself. 
in 2015, an army surgeon by the name of Gregory McQueen, stationed at no other than Fort Hood, would be reported for running a illegal sex work ring on the army base. According to sources, McQueen ran and planned sex parties for other high-ranking officers and would recruit subordinate female soldiers to participate within the sex ring. McQueen pled guilty to 15 of 21 charges and only received two years in prison. Following, he was simply reduced to the title from sergeant to private with no retirement benefits. Sexual assault for both men and women within the military is strongly and largely a concern nationwide, but hopefully that kind of paints a better picture in regards to what Vanessa Guillen was probably dealing with at this military base. The day after Vanessa's last scene on April 23, 2020, Myra and Jose go to the base looking for answers. No one once again is giving Vanessa's disappearance much attention, and at the frustration of the two, another soldier passing by just chuckles at them as if their loved one going missing is a joke. They will later find out that the asshole that chuckled at them was Vanessa's fellow soldier on campus, 20-year-old specialist, Aaron David Robinson. It also just so happened that Robinson was the last person to see Guillen alive, according to witnesses. When given a lead to investigators about Robinson's possible knowledge of Guillen's whereabouts, all they had to say in response was, okay, we'll look into it. Investigators would not question Robinson on Guillen's whereabouts for the next five days. If you didn't know, the first 48 hours are the most important and crucial in a missing persons case. A lot can happen within a span of five days. In the meantime, the name Vanessa Guillen is widespread over social media. Her family begins pleading for any information on her whereabouts be presented through news outlets, and the case becomes huge. I mean, a U.S. soldier just ends up disappearing in a very shady military base. This is not going to just go by ignored. Eventually, on April 28th, now several days after no advancement had been made on Guillen's whereabouts, a search through Guillen's cell phone records indicated to investigators that the last person that Vanessa Guillen had contacted was specialist Aaron David Robinson. The Army Base's Criminal Investigation Division did interview this boy to which he tells investigators he just went off post to a residence that he had shared with his girlfriend, Cicely Aguilar, at the time of Vanessa's disappearance. He said he only left the house once later that night to go back to the base to log into a computer and enroll in a training, but he didn't see Vanessa at all. This was a little conflicting because witnesses had claimed that they saw Vanessa go into the army room controlled by Robinson after she finished the work she initially came in for on the day off to confirm serial numbers for weapons and equipment. But by May 4th, there still had been no arrests made or whereabouts of Vanessa from the Army Base's Criminal Investigation Division. So what does Vanessa's older sister Myra do? She starts an online fundraiser to cover the cost of a private investigator and attorney. Let me just say, the Guillen sisters really put in legwork to find their sister. Their mom did not speak fluent English enough to reach out for help, 
but someone had to. They even reached out to Equal Search, which is an organization to help the search, and massive parties formed to find where Vanessa had been. And it was more than clear that the Fort Hood Military Division did not give much attention to this case as they should have. Natalie Kawam was the Guillen's attorney hired to help, and it's noted that she also dedicated tons of work to find the whereabouts of Vanessa Guillen, but as much work as she put in asking questions, the investigators at Fort Hood campus remained reluctant to share much about the case. Oh, and meanwhile, investigators on base had quite literally received further tips from two witnesses that allegedly had seen Robinson on April 22nd, leaving the armory room with a large pelican case that appeared to be very heavy in weight. He placed the case in his car before driving away. The following day, the CID investigators questioned Robinson once again, asking for his phone records, to which he did consent to, and it showed that on the day of Gant's disappearance, he oddly made several calls to his girlfriend, Cicely Aguilera. Exactly one month later, on June 19th, CID investigators finally interviewed Cicely, not once, but twice. She explains to investigators that Robinson was calling her phone repeatedly because she couldn't find her phone. She just misplaced it. Oh yeah, and the night Gian was missing, Robinson was with her, and they just took a long drive to Belton, Texas to quote-unquote look at the stars. You can't make this stuff up, folks. But is no one seeing the conflicting stories? Aaron Robinson had claimed that he only left home that day once to get some work done on base, and then he went home for the rest of the night where he hadn't seen Vanessa at all. Cicely now claims that they went on a long drive to Belton, Texas to, quote, look at the stars. Hmm. Now, CID investigators had looked into this, and cell phone records corroborated the story Cicely told tracing them to the Leon River, and they had went to the lake, I'm talking about the CID investigators, to take a brief look around the Leon River, although, despite the smell of decomp, they claimed that they didn't find anything, no remains or anything at all. At this point, the Guillen family really knew that this case wasn't going anywhere if they didn't keep fighting to keep Vanessa's name into the public. The family eventually knew it was time to call attention not only to Vanessa's disappearance, but her sexual assault allegation that she told to her mother. Her younger 16-year-old sister, Lupe Guillen, actually took to APC News later on to say, quote, She was afraid to report it. She reported it to her friends. She reported it to her family. She even reported it to soldiers on base. But she didn't want to do a formal report because she was afraid of the retaliation and being blackballed. And she, like most victims, just tried to deal with it herself, unquote. Military members from all over the U.S. who came forward of being sexually assaulted or victims of sexual-related crimes while on duty were not letting this case go either. And many began using hashtag find Vanessa Guillen or hashtag we are Vanessa Guillen or hashtag I am Vanessa Guillen to show support and share their own stories. And by late June of 2020, 
everyone around the globe had begun hearing about this ongoing case. Meanwhile, and I kid you not, Damon Phelps, CID's senior special agent, took to a press conference to clearly state, and I quote, There has been no information, and we've interviewed hundreds of people to include all acquaintances and co-workers of Miss Gian, so there's no allegation whatsoever that she's been sexually assaulted or harassed, and any hint of information that was sexual harassment was completely looked at without any credible information, unquote. If that doesn't tell you the kind of people investigating this case, I don't know what to say. The devil is in the details. It was clear at this point that Vanessa Guillen was, number one, met with foul play, and two, there has been some kind of cover-up. There are so many videos of the Guillen family speaking out on behalf of Vanessa's disappearance, and I strongly urge listeners to watch and listen as it truly gets to you, and it truly choked me up just watching how tired and desperate they were to find their loved one. On June 29th, Guillen's family were going to announce the next day that they were seeking congregational investigation on the disappearance. That's when the day of June 30th, 2020, had come. This morning, around 11.30 a.m., a worker building a fence on a property near the intersection of FM 436 and Hartick Bluff Splur along the Leon River had come across human remains. After careful inspection, it had been declared to be the remains of Vanessa Guillen. Well, folks, according to court documents, this is what happened. On April 22, 2020, at Fort Hood, on this day, Vanessa Guillen had been called in to help her now former executive officer, Alex Cook, and his troop to certify that some of his troop's equipment was not fixable so it could be sent in for replacement. After Vanessa completed her tasks at hand for executive officer Cook, a witness told investigators they had seen Vanessa go from one armory building to another armory building where Aaron Robinson had been working. Apparently, they had been working alongside one another so Vanessa could help confirm serial numbers for weapons and equipment. According to court documents, Aaron claimed he gave her paperwork and that's the last time he had seen her. In reality, we don't know what really happened. And I can only state the facts, but something really terrible had happened that day in that building to Vanessa. Some speculators claim that she saw something she shouldn't have, and others claim there was an assault and Aaron didn't want to get caught for it. I don't know either way, but what I do know is that Aaron Robinson grabbed the nearest object to him, which was a hammer, and he bludgeoned Vanessa to death with this hammer. Now, an episode of Morbid Podcast explained this exceptionally well, too. The autopsy did show that Vanessa was bludgeoned with the hammer to her skull hundreds of times, or at least a lot of times. The scene of this happening is taken from court documents, but the conflicting part to this is... If she was bludgeoned in the armory, then where was all the pools of blood in the armory? 
Blood would have been on every surface of that armory, and given the time frame, there was no way that Aaron would have cleaned the armory spotless of blood, cleaned himself up, and then dragged a heavy pelican case out of that building when witnesses claimed that they saw him dragging that pelican case out. So the question to this day remains, who else on the Fort Hood base may have covered up this brutal act and why? That part is just so convoluted, but moving on. Aaron then proceeded to shove her into a pelican case that, quote, had appeared to be heavy in weight, placed the case in his car, allegedly went to change, went to a hardware store to buy shovels, tarp, and other utensils to use to dispose of Vanessa's body sitting in, the, uh, sitting in his car, Apparently, he then calls up Cicely Aguilar, who apparently was seeing another soldier on that base at the time, but that's another story. Aaron then drove his car to a gas station where she worked. She agreed to help him get rid of Vanessa Gein's dead body. So they both take Aaron's car to the Leon River, where he opens the Pelican case to reveal Gein's body. And Aguilar tells the court later that the two of them then dismember Vanessa Gian's body using a hatchet or a machete-type knife. They then attempted to burn her remains to hide the DNA, and then buried pieces of her body in three separate holes around the lake. Now, all of this is speculation, and a lot of this is mostly coming from Cicely Aguilar's statement And unfortunately, there are more holes in this confession than Swiss cheese, and we will never hear what really happened to Vanessa Guillen that day, because no other accomplices have come forward. And the day after Vanessa's body had been discovered, Aaron Robinson was detained, but somehow he was able to flee and shot himself. On July 2nd, 2020, Cicely Aguilar had been charged with one count of conspiracy to tamper with evidence. And as of August 2023, Cicely Aguilar was sentenced to 30 years in federal prison in Waco, Texas, suitable for her. In a statement given by the family's attorney, Natalie Kawam, says Vanessa's family can finally celebrate justice and thank law enforcement along with the community at large for their support over the past three years since the investigation began. As of this recording, hashtag I am Vanessa Gian continues to be a global movement used by soldiers from all over showing their stories and support. Texas Governor Greg Abbott in June of 2011 signed into law the I Am Vanessa Guillen Act, which reformed certain sexual offense reporting and investigation procedures to be handled by investigators outside of the service member's military chain of command. In addition to this, in 2021, the National Defense Authorization Act was signed into law by President Joe Biden, which incorporated many aspects of the I Am Vanessa Guillen Act, not only statewide, but nationwide. And more recently, in 2023, Nali Kwam, the Guillen family lawyer, has filed a $35 million lawsuit against the U.S. Army for sexual assault and the wrongful death of specialist Vanessa Guillen. If you or anyone you know may be a victim of sexual assault, you can contact a confidential national 24-7 support hotline 
you can call 1-800-656-4673. Or you can chat online at onlinerain.org. Rain being Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. And this will also be listed in the show notes. And that is the case of the census murder of Vanessa Guillen. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode. And if you'd like to know more about this case, you can always reference to the show notes. Please do not forget to like and subscribe to wherever you're listening. Do not forget to remind anyone that you know of that might like true crime or anything in between that this show exists. If you made it this far, you can also follow the show on Instagram at WTLGL Podcasts. Thank you once again for listening to this episode, and I'll see you next when the light goes out.